Hey, this is Natasha Bedingfield, and this is what I wore when I wrote unwritten. The rest is still unwritten. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to What I Wore When, a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Perry Samerton. Each week, I'm sitting down with a woman I find fascinating to talk about what she wore during a pivotal moment in her life. We're using the power of style to tell the stories you haven't heard. Find me a woman between the ages of 25 and 40 that doesn't know every word to unwritten, or at least to the chorus that starts with the unbelievably catchy Feel the rain on your skin. Pardon my singing. That's how pervasive this song has become. Written and performed by Natasha Bedingfield, the Grammy-nominated Unwritten was the most played song on U.S. radio in 2006, despite it having been released two years earlier. The spike came after the song was chosen to be the theme to MTV reality show The Hills, which has allowed it to live in infamy. This week, Natasha explains what she wore when she wrote Unwritten, the era of low-rise jeans, bubble skirts, and pointlessly layered tank tops. During our conversation, I also talked to Natasha about what Unwritten is really about, what it means to be an authentic mother, she and I both have young sons, why she hates wearing jeans, and her latest album, Roll With Me, her first in almost a decade. Here's our conversation. So I want to start by asking you, as we ask everyone, what are you wearing right now? Ooh, I don't know what the designer is called. Describe um, your outfit. Okay, I'm actually, I was cold, so I threw on my friend's um, flannel jacket. It's not a jacket. What is it? What would you call it? Oversized button down? Yeah, which is kind of, um, but what I'm really wearing is this kind of, it's a t-shirt dress. Well, no, what would you call it? It's a dress that's attached to a skirt. Oh, like a dress. <laughs> a dress. But it's it looks a gray. like a, but it looks like a t-shirt tucked into a skirt. But it's a dress. It? Yeah. And there's a belt. And there's a belt. And then there's these white shoes, which I've been wearing all summer. And then I looked on a magazine yesterday and found out that it's totally in fashion right now. Why did you pick this outfit out today? Um I just was rushing and it was the only thing that <laughs> didn't need a lot of work. Because <laughs> honestly, no, but actually I like that it's kind of accentuates my waist. Do you always look for clothes that accentuate certain body parts? I do. I um, I like to emphasize the parts that are like my kind of strong points. And because the name of the podcast is What I Wear When, mm. we are going to talk about a very specific moment. What you wore when you wrote Unwritten. So this was 2003. Mm. And... Let's start by where were you when you wrote the song? I was in LA. I, I just signed a record deal and I was um, writing with a lot of different songwriters, like people who'd had hits before. You were in the studio. Yeah, so I was in the studio and we were working on another song at the time. And, um, and then we just like, we were like, let's write another one. And I, I had this poem that I'd written uh, of an idea and I showed it to my co-writer and she was like wow that's an amazing song let's write that so what were you wearing um I actually emailed my friend Danielle who I wrote unwritten with to find out what I wore because I couldn't remember and I just got an email 
back from her, she said, you had braids in your hair at the time and I think you were wearing some sporty tight pants, a white tank top with another tank underneath. Yes, that is so 2003. I can't even tell you the amount of times that I have gone out of the house wearing not one, but two. Two. It was. It was two, right? Two. And maybe a mesh, something mesh over the top or something or what? Like, yeah, no, the two. Do you do that now still? No. You know what? I don't, but... Why did, why are the two? Why was that? I, I don't know. I don't think that is I think it was because you didn't see your bra. Maybe. But really? I also kind of like to show my bra the double, at It was that different time. colors, right? I think it was, yeah. I guess, I think I would do a white yeah. and a gray or a white yeah. and a black. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. We were both so cool. We so were cool. cool back then. <laughs> do you feel like at the time you dressed a certain way going into the studio? For example, if you wrote that song today, do you think you'd pick out an outfit that equally is as casual? Or do you think you would have picked out something totally different? I... uh I don't know. I tried it when I'm writing to dress comfortably. I still do. Back then, I was wearing a lot of secondhand clothes um, because I didn't have a stylist or anything like that. And I, I still really love vintage. Um, so, yeah. What is the song about? The song is about um, basically what would I tell myself as a 14-year-old? What kind of advice do I wish that I would have had? And it was my little brother's birthday and he was 14. And so I was, I used him as inspiration, like, you know, and there's this honesty between me and him. If I talk to him, I have to be so brutally honest. So that kind of kept me very honest. How did MTV approach you to use this song? Because I still consider, mm. I mean, I consider Unwritten to mm. be probably one of the most iconic theme songs in modern TV history. Thank I mean, you. it's very hard to find somebody between the ages of 25 and 40 who don't know every word in that song yeah and I'm just curious how did MTV approach you how did you how did how did that song get on that show so I uh my song was playing on radio it was number one and MTV I mean I guess like in this you have agents and you have label and I don't remember how the the introduction was made but I remember MTV asking us um hey look we've got this new um, reality TV show that we're going to do. It's going to be huge. Would you like to use your song in there? And it was an easy yes. Why? Because it's just like it's a dream when you're a songwriter to have your song in something. For me, anyway. So did you watch The Hills? Honestly, I didn't watch The Hills. Did you ever? Have you ever seen one Yeah, I've seen, I've seen an episode or two. But I I was on the road. I was... I was like hardcore, like onto the next single probably by then and just like every day a different state, different country. So there was no, remember like there was no Netflix, like that you couldn't like, I think there wasn't even, you know, TiVo. Um, So it's like if you're not there at the time that it's on, there's no way you can see it. But also I'm not a big reality TV person. I'm much more into comedies and that kind of stuff. And so the show recently had a reboot on MTV and I know that the theme song currently is a redone version of Unwritten and did you yes. did you record did you go in and record that yeah we actually had a meeting with them and we were so like I, I just feel like it's worth celebrating because that song was a big cultural moment for people uh, not the song was but the, the show was actually and um, so I when we were talking I was like I'd love to do a new version can you let me do a new version of it yeah. I feel like it would have been a, it was a sacrilege if they did not include you in the yeah, reboot it would have yeah, yeah. It would have. I feel like you would have been probably not thrilled. I think people wouldn't have liked it. No, definitely yeah. not. Have you watched any and of those? And how amazing that the song became that attached to the show. 
I've been like, why is it? Like, why was that song and show so important? And I think that it was because it was about people trying to discover who they are. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it was a precursor to the Instagram generation that we're in right now, where we're all on that journey, but now everyone's kind of like showing it and we're all kind of stars in our own sitcom. And I think that The Hills also... Uh, Not sitcom, reality show. Reality show. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the reasons why people love it so much is because it takes place in L.A. And I feel like there's a lightness and a sunniness to that show. I mean, Mm. I grew up in New York and I would watch it as a Mm. teenager in an early 20-something and just feel like I want to be driving with the top down, listening to your music. That's so cool. It takes you somewhere else. like from, From the place that you're in. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of your music to me, represents that. Maybe Thank not you. LA as a place, but it's happy, it's sunny. It has depth, mm. but it's happy. Yeah. I read yeah. somewhere that you said that positivity was your thing. Like that when you were recording, you liked, or when you were writing, you liked to write positive music. Well, and- I'm known for it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that people think about. Like, oh, a pocket full of sunshine. Um, and so I do think about that when I'm writing new songs. I, I do, um, I write. I write sad songs too, but they still make people feel good somehow and I'm not sure why I just try and be hopeful even even in times where I don't have it you were nominated for a Grammy in 2007 for Unwritten Mm -hmm. for best female pop vocal was that your first Grammys yeah Uh, no no I'd been to the Grammys before but it was the first nomination the only nomination and what did you wear (sighs) you know I've looked it's like this amazing kind of I I don't know who the designer was I couldn't figure it out what did it look like Alexander McQueen or something like that um, it's like a strapless kind of, what do you call it? A-line? A-line. A-line? Yes, A-line. Short. And I remember I had like fake bangs. Like clip-in bangs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Were you disappointed that you didn't win? Um, I was so happy to be nominated. I thought it was such a cool thing. I think I should have won because my song was like the most played song that year. But it's where I realized that the Grammys isn't really about like how much something is sold or played. It's like um, it's opinions. You can't really control what people's opinions are. Talk about your style when you first started out. Obviously, it was the early 2000s, mm. a very special time in the fashion landscape. It's true. I want to hear what you, th- what you think about that. Because it, it, it was because my experience of it was that it was very casual. Well, right? it was. I, yeah. So right as I yeah. first discovered your music, I mm. had just graduated college and in 2003. Mm. And so I, I don't, I wouldn't say I associate you with that, with that era, mm. but I definitely associate the Hills and Unwritten a little bit with that era. And I would agree that it was casual. I mean... And the bandage dress. Bandage kind of like dress. this very tight kind of, yeah. I personally never... I never felt that I could pull off a bandage dress. I was never mm-hmm. confident. I didn't have feel that I had the right body for it. But I really embraced the low-cut, low-rise jeans. Yes, where it shows a little bit of the bone. Shows there. a tiny yeah. bit, even though I never really yeah. thought that I had the bones that, you know, other girls Brittany. did. But well, <laughs> uh, yeah. But she no. would wear her, her pants actually unbuttoned. Unbuttoned. Yeah. But I would wear the low-rise and then I would do a lot of tank tops, probably... Yeah. Similar to the ones that you wore. Yeah, when and the you were tank recording. tops would actually not be tucked in. They would actually, ha- you'd have that little bit of skin there, but it was a below the belly button, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, so you didn't have a belly button. No, you're right. You would just see that sliver of so skin. Weird. Yeah. And I almost felt like yeah. sometimes that sliver of skin was a status symbol uh, in a way. Yeah. Like kind of like the hole between your legs. Like, what's that the hole? Th- the the thigh, thigh gap. gap. Yes, yes. God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
but I kind of felt that that style. But you're right. It was a totally casual era, but I also feel like it's one that hasn't really, I kind of see it coming around now. Some of the younger girls in my office, I see really are bringing back and they're able to do it because they're young and it's a bit ironic, Mm. but I haven't really seen a lot of the trends from the early 2000s fully come back around like bubble skirts. Oh yeah. Remember those, the bubble skirts? I actually just went through my closet and found one of those. Oh my God. Why do I still have this? That I feel like will will make a comeback. Definitely. Eventually. Yeah. So your style when you started out, it was the early 2000s. Were there specific themes or looks that your team was pushing you to embody with your clothing? Yeah, I mean, um, I hadn't realized, but my 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 label were talking to my stylist kind of behind my back and saying she's not allowed to wear hats. She's hiding her face with the hats. Like she's, we want her to be the pretty girl. Like don't let her wear any hats. And um, also like she has to wear jeans all the time. Which I wasn't really a big jeans person, to be honest. I don't really like how jeans fit. I don't like the feeling of them. Why? I still don't. I really just don't like them very much. They're not they're not comfortable. And I have a huge butt and it's like, it's awkward trying to find jeans that fit. Like I have a tiny waist and a really big butt. So like, it's just like they ride down when you sit. So yeah, I just like other, I like high-waisted like and skirts and that kind of stuff. Was your butt something that you were trying to cover up or? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was not something that was like how it is now where people pay to have a bubble butt. Like I have a full on bubble butt. Like it's, it's, it's a being, it's an entity. And like my family are all like proud of it. Like they walk over and just slap it with pride. Like it's this, I don't know, it's this funny thing. They're just like, wow. <laughs> but I was always like, that's such a silly thing to say. Um, but I was like, it just was not something that was in any way cool. Um, and fashion houses wouldn't dress someone with that size. Like I wasn't a size zero. Do you think if you started so, out today, you would be encouraged to emphasize your butt? Well, this is the crazy thing. It's like everyone's paying to have a butt like me. Yeah, I kind of feel like, like if you free. don't have a big ass, you're like, not like, who even are you? Like, are you a celebrity anymore? Because I just <laughs> feel like it's such, it's just such, and it's so funny to consider a body part a trend because yeah. that sounds ridiculous, but yeah. I also kind of feel like having a big ass is a trend. It is. It is a trend. Or at least it's yeah. considered it's considered, I don't think that fashion houses would turn away. I mean, I think men have always liked big butts. Yes. Like straight men. Yes. Um, but, um, but women, it wasn't always, it was something that, you know, like I would always ask my like boyfriends at the time, like, Hey, does my butt look big in this? And they'd be like, yes. <laughs> you know, but then you ask but, a woman or yeah. they're like, yes, cover it yes, up. Yes, cover it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you could compare it to when people have big boobs, like, because they're so, like, boobs are so sexy. And I think a lot of people who grow up with big boobs, they're kind of a bit shamed of them because they're just made to feel like they're sexual even when they're not trying. And so a lot of people cover that, cover it up. Like, they're just so amazing that, like, it's just like people think you're intentionally trying to do something if you're showing them. I don't have particularly large boobs. Neither do I. But I understand that. But I've also felt, but I've also felt sometimes that, even showing them a little, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm on the subway or I'm at work and I should cover up. And then I just had a baby and then you just like your boobs are out. It's the weirdest thing is you have to cover them up your whole life and then suddenly you have a kid and it's like the most natural thing in the world. Have you always wanted kids? 
I've I've always been like a mum kind of person. Like I've always been everyone else's mum, mother, um, like even in my family. Uh, but um, I just I, I just really focus on my career so much. That I was always just like, oh, I'm too young to have kids. I'm not ready. And um, yeah, but now I have one, and I, it's actually great. Did you find out the sex beforehand? Yes, I did. Yeah. To me, it made it more real. It made it more like, oh, this is actually a real thing, a real being. And how did you feel yeah. when you found out it was a boy? I thought that was really nice. I, um, You know, I was watching um, a Diana Ross documentary and she talks about how much she loved her little boy and how he was her little, that's Evan Ross now, but he was her little buddy. And I was just like, oh, I get to have my little, little buddy. Obviously, he's super young, but do you find that your style or your husband's style or the style of... LA has influenced the way you approach dressing your baby? You know what? I want to wear baby clothes because they are so well coordinated. Like the socks and everything, the shoes, everything matches. I'm like, man, I wish I was that coordinated. Yeah, I think there's some great clothes right now. I I do go into the, I see the girls' clothes. There's so much more great girls' clothes. Than boys. But I also, I'm I'm not like dressing him only in boy clothes like I'll find some good stuff in the girls stuff and and put him in that sometimes (laughs) yeah I think it's bullshit every time I try to shop for my son and I see everything with a football and exactly or superheroes or whatever I'm just gonna wait till he discovers those and then if he likes them I'll you know I'll get him that but he loves trucks right now and that's just him like he there's no way to not see how much he loves anything that is moving like trains and trucks and that kind of stuff I was shopping for him the other day and I saw there was a onesie and it said, hand to God, daddy's drinking buddy. And it what? was a, a mug of beer and a <gasps> bottle toasting. That is weird. And I was like, oh, that is so weird. Sake. I thought you were going to say it was a boob. Like, <laughs> No, daddy's drinking buddy. And I was like, this is what? But no, no. And I'm not going to ask you how you balance being a working mother because that question is bullshit and no men ever get asked that. But I am curious how you balance being an authentic mother with all the noise that exists around motherhood right now, and especially being a celebrity. I feel Mm. like you're on Instagram, you're active on Instagram, you put your son on Instagram. Yeah. And I think Instagram is a really powerful tool for parents and celebrities, Mm. but it can also be a difficult one. You could also be, um, what do you call it? Uh, you, you like people could be using their kids, right, or something. Like it's or delicate, just, isn't it? It's delicate, yeah. but I also yeah. feel like being in the public eye. Do you ever feel? Have you ever been mom shamed for something that you've done? I mean, I feel like that's such a Probably. thing. I just I feel like I through this experience I've become connected to a whole group of people that I wasn't connected to in the past. You know, I would go to baby showers and I would be like, "This is the last baby shower I'm going to go to." I just didn't get it, uh, but now I do. You know, so it's like when you go through something, you're a survivor of something and there's this amazing bond. Um, and I think every mother is like, yes, you feel it too. Like, you know, we've got through this, we've got this far and we're still in one piece or we're not. We're all, we're all falling apart together. I think that <clears throat> the challenge is how do you do what is best for your child? And that becomes the such a driving force like <clears throat> in your nature. Like, how do I do what's best for him? But also how do I do what's best for me? It's so hard not to lose yourself in looking after your kid. I mean, it's like, it's it's kind of like in your um, hormones, for me anyway. And um, I could it's like something I can feel it happening. And what I try and remind myself is that I am, I am my own baby as well. Like, he's my baby, but I should also look after myself. Like, if I'm not going to give him sugar, like, like I'm, I'm not giving him sugar right now because he, I just know that he'll only want to eat sugar. 
but why am I feeding myself sugar? And it's because I need the energy. It's because I'm so tired. It's because I'm up all night looking after him or something. Um, so it means that I'm loving him more than I'm loving myself. And so I need to be careful to balance that. That's really interesting. I feel like I'm going to start thinking that way because I, I too will say, well, I'm not going to give him sugar or yeah. I'm not going to, you know, let him watch the full episode of this show. And exactly. it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't yeah. be doing that either. Like Why? limit your screen time. Or, yeah. Because then we wa- we'll spend so much time on Instagram and feel terrible afterwards. Yeah. No. And we might have future children inside us too. So it's like, you've got to watch out for them as well. Um, it was fascinating, fascinating stuff, but it's just, there's so much guilt, isn't there? Tremendous amount. Self, like, oh, like, I've got a nanny looking after him, like... I'm not there enough. Yeah, and, yeah, all of that. And it's hard to shake. But I think it's better for a kid if their mom is, like, thriving and doing well. And also, if you think about this, if people are so isolated um, now compared to how they were in a- ancient societies, like, the whole community would help raise a child. So that's how it should be. What do you feel like when, you know, you're meeting with your stylist and you guys decide on a look and it just appears and it's perfect or you're able to go into a showroom or you hear that designers want to dress you? I mean, I just, I mean, I've always loved fashion. So it's kind of like, wow, I'm living my dream right now. And um, I I, uh, I see fashion as art, I, you know, just like my music is art. Like the visual part of what you wear is so much an art, um, but also... It's a little stressful sometimes because it's like there's this thing of like I hope I hope I wear it right. I hope it looks good on camera. Like there's a kind of guessing element to it. Like in the olden days, like the our grandmas, like they used to have seamstresses and they used to sew their own clothes and like I like the what I like to do is buy something that's too big and then have it adjusted. And um that's like a secret of all the great like Hollywood stars. And what are some things that you do that Because our bodies are so unique. Uh, like I would do that with a dress. Um, all, my, all of my jeans, all of my like jumpsuits. I wear a lot of jumpsuits at the moment, and, but I buy them a, a size too big and I adjust them a lot of times. I want to talk about your new album now. Oh, cool, yeah. Has, has becoming a mother influenced the album? Uh, I feel that it has because I took him into the studio with me and I think it created a softness in me um, and a vulnerability and a strength, you know, so it helped me kind of embrace those parts of myself. And um, yeah, I mean, I let I, ha- I got a producer to produce my whole album instead of me co-producing it. I uh, Linda Perry produced the whole thing and I just felt like much more willing to kind of let someone do that and trust and you know we co-wrote the song the songs together and we've just ended up with a body of work that is really has like a a good flow to it and is fun and is uh energized and yeah I feel like that's definitely influenced by where I'm at right now Linda has a really unique sense of style doesn't she she does yes yes. does she still wear top hats she does wear top hats yes yes and jumpsuits and yeah and kimonos was your so what did you wear when you were recording the new album? Did you I did wear a lot of kimonos. I wore a lot of things that were flowy. Why? Because it's just like it's comfortable but still glamorous. I was listening to one of the songs off the album yesterday, Roller Skate. Um, it's amazing. Thank I you. love it. It's so chill. Mm. Yeah. 
I found myself yeah. listening to it on repeat. I had it on when I was working. That's and then so cool. When I was prepping for this, I was listening to it at home. And I was reading some of the comments, some of the YouTube comments um, when I was listening to it. And I just wanted to read you a couple because I thought that they were really interesting. Oh, cool. Grigio Boy says, the fact that Natasha is finally coming back with a new album, it all just feels like everything is right in the world. Aww. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, that's lovely. I want to ask a couple really quick questions, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a speed round. So just mm-hmm. the first thing that comes into your head. Um, what's the last thing you bought? doesn't have to be clothes, but what is the last thing that you bought? Oh, in Sephora, I bought um, some eyeliner and a bunch of like like perfume. I don't remember what it's called. Boheme. The perfume is called Boheme. And the eyeliner was Kat Von D. How do you fall asleep at night? Do you have a ritual? Is there something specific that you do? Do you have to watch a certain show or listen to a certain song? I love, um, I listen to Bon Iver. Like, it puts me really in a zone. Like, I love it. And um, I also meditate. I've, I've got a Yoga Glow app that I use. And um, I, like, yeah, I, I, it's not like a ritual. It's just like, like something I can hear. What was your first concert? I think it was you too. That's a good one. Yeah. What's the last book you read? Uh, I'm reading a book called And Baby Makes Three, which is about how to kind of like make sure you keep, you put your relationship first when you're, when you have a baby. What's the last thing you ate? A uh, salad in the car on the way over. <laughs> so if you could go back in time right now and tell Natasha, you know, in 2003, writing unwritten, if you could go back and give her some advice, something that you've learned now mm. what would you what would you tell that girl in the two tank tops yes well I say you're in for a crazy ride but enjoy it breathe and don't worry too much what people think What I Wore When is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Monday for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows I'm your host, Glamour Digital Director, Perry Samatin. Follow me on Instagram at Perry Samatin. P-E-R-R-I-E-S-A-M-O-T-I-N. Our executive producer is Ali Perry. And our producers are Glamour's Kim Fasaro and iHeart's JJ Posway. What I Wore When is engineered by Emily Marinoff and Derek Clements. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Deanna Buckman at Condé Nast. For more information on today's episode, go to glamour.com slash what I wore when.